From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. You can learn more at GoCurrency.com. Bud, uh, some interesting things have hit the news in the past week as we uh, get started. Uh, some of it coming out of California and their decision to ban all sales of uh, fuel, uh, gasoline-powered vehicles by sometime in the next decade. Uh, going towards uh, electric vehicles, and then this week uh, tell people not to charge because they got an energy shortage. Well, it's it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Right? We pa- they pass a law that says we want everybody to be in electric cars in the next decade or so, and then oh by the way, we're going to have rolling blackouts for our energy because the the temperatures are too high. Don't charge your cars. <laughs> okay, well, you know, come on, let's let's think about this a little bit. So it it's, you know, one of those victims of their own creation type of thing, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle it, because we're seeing that on the news quite a bit right now. Uh, you know, they've got the high temperatures, they're asking, they're going to do the rolling blackouts, and then they're saying, just don't charge your cars, you know. Especially during the day. Cars. Yeah, yeah, during the day. So so if you're out on the freeway and you're starting to run out, you don't stop and charge. And, well, we know the. Hopefully you pull up to a good restaurant or hotel so you can just wait it out or something. Well, that or uh, are they even going to have, if they're part of the blackout, you know, rolling blackout, you might not be able to get in the restaurant either. Correct. And I, it, so it's a it's a difficult situation. You know, we, we experienced those in Lincoln a couple of years ago in the winter. Oh, yeah, the, when the Texas had the. When big... Texas was having the issues and. You know, there was no warning. So it's a little fascinating also um, as we think about energy. This is something I heard from people that were over in Dublin for the football game. Uh, One of the things they noticed other than the free beer in the stadium (laughs) was uh, there were a lot of things happening over there where they're having energy issues and People are going to start seeing double, triple, up to 10 times their rates for energy over there. And I see that over there, and I'm like, you know, that's across the pond, supposed to, so to speak. But what, what, what does that mean? What does that mean across the world? And I, I think it's something we have to watch. It's, be careful what we wish for, because we may... There may be the unintended consequences that we're not willing to stomach, but are forced to. Correct. I mean, you know, they if they'd start doing rolling blackouts and all these other kind of things, you know, we talked about increase in costs when we talk about city budget and some of those other things. It it's something scary that people are going to have to really, really pay attention to. Energy could uh, really be a big issue in Europe going into the winter because of uh, what's happening between Russia and. Uh, Ukraine. The Russians are reportedly going to cut off natural gas to Germany if they haven't done so already. Um, And more people die in Europe of cold than they do of heat. Uh, Are are we setting up to see what could happen here in this country uh, one, two, three, five years from now by what we might see in Europe this winter? I hope not, although I think it's got to be at the front of our minds, right? Um, You know, it's kind of interesting, you know, we go back to the 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 California thing too, uh, 
their governor, Gavin Newsom, has always said, as California goes, so goes the rest of the country. And so be careful what you wish for, because if that happens, you know, are we going to start seeing things like that happen? You know, things kind of start on the coast and they move their way in across the country. So that's concerning. I, I'm i really concerned about what's happening over there. You know, we've we shut off the Keystone XL pipeline, uh, you know, because we're uh, we're relying on foreign oil. There's a lot of there's a lot of things coming around this energy that I worry about a, an energy crisis. I think we need to keep it top of mind and know what's going to happening. Well, it appears that energy conservation is not going to keep uh, up with the demand for increased energy from all of these areas. And when you switch from uh, petroleum-based transportation to try to get more and more uh, electric vehicles, that's only going to exacerbate that that issue when it comes to electric production. Correct. It's it, it's kind of a scary topic to think about. I, I just it's something I thought our listeners would want to know about, and you know, try to try to bring it up. You know, our 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 job here is to try to make business owners aware of what's happening and what we're hearing and. And I thought this was a good thing that we needed to to share. And it's one that we're going to be able to probably talk about quite often going forward. So I would agree. <laughs> a couple of uh, episodes ago, uh, we touched on a, I, I don't want to say it's a phenomenon, but they're now calling it quiet quitting, where workers say they're actively disengaged from their jobs. These primarily are workers who are unhappy about their work, uh, resentful that their needs aren't being met, but... A lot of times they're also remote workers, and so you don't really see that dis, uh, detachment from it until uh, it's too late. But you've got some follow-up information. This is a bigger deal than I think we even realized. You know, it's almost sometimes I feel like <laughs> it's like we scripted this out a few weeks because just a few weeks ago we talked about this, and then all of a sudden there was a, an article out there this week that I saw. Um, Gallup has been tracking... Um, you know, workers' investment in their job for the last 20-plus years. And they they came out with some data earlier this summer. And one of the things that was interesting was just under 20% of the people uh, described themselves as actively disengaged in their jobs. And then, you know, the rest are just not engaged. Uh, people who do the minimum are and are psychologically detached from their jobs. So, you know, a third of the people find themselves engaged and enthused and the rest are either disengaged or not engaged and just kind of going through the motions. That's a big number. And, you know, we've talked about the, the remote work and the impact The Gallup is estimating that quiet quitters make up about half of the U.S. workforce. We talked about this workforce issue a lot. We're going to talk more about workforce here later in the episode with the career academy but holy smokes this is this is huge this is a huge deal and it's something that's very concerning i think our our employers need to work and and be paying attention i was at an event last night and i was talking with a leba member and he was talking about all the hiring they've been doing and they've been they've been filling jobs and they've been it's been good for them and i said how are you doing it it's all about culture, man. He goes, culture, culture, culture. When they walk in the door, they've got to feel that culture of this building. They've got to feel welcome. They've got to do all those kind of things. And so I just want our, 
our, our listeners and our employers, our LIBA members to be thinking about this? What can we do to make sure our workers are engaged? What are we doing to address culture? And to keep employees, uh, part of that uh, article that you referenced, a survey uh, by ADP, uh, payroll processor, a survey of more than 32,000 workers uh, in late April, uh, about two-thirds of those 32,000 said they would consider looking for a new job if they're required to return to the office full-time. You know, we've talked about that a little bit here, about trying to bring people back to work, and we still got companies here in Lincoln that are hybrid or a lot of their workers are not back in the office. And I think we're going to see something where it's kind of like where two fronts come together in the weather and they hit. I think we're going to see that coming because, you know, a lot of people think maybe we're in a recession or headed recessionary. What's it going to do? How's inflation going to impact the job market? And how is this issue of remote work versus in the office going to happen? And we're starting to see some companies uh, stand their ground and say, look, you got to get back to the office. And if you don't, we're going to move on. And so it'll be It'll be a phenomenon that I think we're going to see happen over the next several months, maybe a year, that we just got to keep an eye on and, and for our employers to keep an eye on. And, you know, I, but I appreciated that member last night to say it's all about culture. Let's really focus on culture. So I encourage our listeners and our employers to really think about that culture and what we're doing to try to try to keep moving ahead. Well, some good news uh, recently. Uh, we all know what the inflation has done to our uh, buying power and all of that. But I understand that we've had legislation passed that's now going to solve our entire inflation problem. <laughs> he says sarcastically. Isn't that, yeah, it, you should see the look on Mark's face as he says that. And, you know, the, the what's going to solve inflation are a lot of different things. And I don't think one piece of legislation is necessarily going to do that. So then why call it the Inflation Reduction Act if it's not going to reduce inflation? And it's not. Well, we called it the Affordable Care Act. Now, I know about you, but my <laughs> my health rates haven't been Touché. affordable Touché. Uh, ever well, since. Well so, taken. Um, you know, in politics, it's all about the spin, right, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, I, I think... They think they've got some good ideas, but I just, I don't see it. You know, when I start thinking about things that the federal government's doing, things like the IRS agents that we're hearing about, 80,000 plus IRS agents, you know, because they're going to go do this. Well, if the government's going to hire 87,000 new people, think about that and start doing some math on just if those people make a $50,000 salary. I don't know what they're going to make. Okay, be let's considerably just, more. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be more, but holy smokes, we're talking, we're talking big numbers here. And you know, what is that going to do to our businesses? You know, now are they going to be auditing more small businesses? Are they going to be coming after small businesses? You know, we heard there was a time where they wanted to, they wanted to be able to look at every check that went into your checking account that was over six hundred dollars, or those kind of things are are really invasive to people. And if we're going to start getting into, you know, all these agents coming after people, um, you know, 78 and 90% of the estimated additional 200 billion the IRS will collect would come from small businesses making less than 200,000 annually. And, but the promise was no one under making under 400,000 would be affected. Yeah. That ironic, was, right? Yeah. Um, 
And and just think about these small business owners, what they're trying to get through. We've been talking about workforce and hiring workers, supply chain issues, all of those things. Why do we need to do this and come after small businesses after what they've been through for the last couple of years? I heard a, uh, an interesting comment. This was an editorial opinion, obviously, comment, but said, rather have uh, an additional 87,000 border agents than IRS agents. Well, I... <laughs> I'd rather see the government not try to hire 87,000 people. No, but if, you, if you're going yeah. to, let's... Uh, well, let's protect our, our communities and, and those kind of things. But to come after small business is the backbone of our, our country. You know, without small business, our country doesn't doesn't thrive. And, you know, I think about all these small businesses. We're going to talk about the Career Academy. We've had a lot of engagement with them. Um But coming after these small businesses, they're trying to make it. They're trying to keep their people employed and those are the people that are supporting our communities. You know, if we're going after people at $200,000 in small businesses and their revenue at that level, they're coming after everybody. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Did an interesting deep dive coming up. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Career Academy, Southeast Community College, uh, some other things. You're going to announce uh, a, a great event coming up in October. Um, preview. We've developed a really strong relationship at LIBA with the Career Academy. The Career Academy, in my mind, is one of those great gems we have in our community to help train workforce. We're going to hear about a lot of the things that they're doing, all the different students that are out there uh, participating in the Career Academy and gaining skills to help us with workforce issues that we've talked about. So I'm excited to have Josh with us today. Uh, He's doing great things out there. We've developed a great partnership. The importance of that partnership is to connect our business owners with workforce. We've been talking about that, at, I would almost say at nauseum during the podcast, but it's important. It's an important issue for our business owners. I'm excited to have Josh here today. We'll talk with him next, and uh, that's our deep dive for the week coming up. Do you need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment for your business? Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, other big-ticket items as well. And whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure and free to use, and it gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com, fill out the application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC. Doing business as currency pursuant to CFL License 60-DBO-54873. Welcome back to Lincoln Business Beat, uh, our deep dive today. I've got a guest in the studio as we're talking about uh, Southeast Community College. Well, Southeast Community College, LPS, formed a partnership of the Career Academy. And over the last year, year and a half, uh, we at LIBA, we've talked on the podcast a ton about workforce issues and trying to help connect business owners to uh, workforce. And so we've got Josh Jones here from the Career Academy. Josh, welcome to the podcast. 
Uh, it's always fun to have a, a guest on here because I think people get to hear another voice <laughs> other than the smooth tones of Mark Vale and Bud Seinhorst. So welcome to the show. Thanks for coming with us today. Thanks for having me, Bud. Now, you're director Mark? of Southeast Community College, uh, Career Academy, uh, and, and that, as you mentioned, the collaborative efforts. But you work with more than just LPS, too, in, in, in the effort. Correct. We work with all the parochial schools in town. We have homeschooled students. We even have students that come in from outside of Lincoln, uh, from Waverly, Palmyra, Bennett, Norris. Total of 707 students this year, which is up about 50 students from last year. So we're at a record number. And how many tracks, how many programs? We have 18, uh, 17 career pathways, with the 18th being an academic transfer pathway for students who are headed off to a four-year college. Now, the, uh, Liba's worked with uh, Career Academy on, uh, as you mentioned, this workforce development, announcing another one. Yeah, we're excited. So last year, Josh and I, I think it might have been the first time he and I ever met, uh, we sat down and we were talking at the Liba office about how we can connect. And we brought this idea came up about doing a career fair, trying to connect our business owners with these students for the students to get, you know, on the job training, so to speak, and for our members to do it so we we decided we just i think we picked a date that day and said here we go let's roll let's do it uh we had about 50 50 plus uh businesses and organizations there so now we're going to do it again so we got one coming up josh tell us tell us the plan we're excited about it yeah last year was i think the highlight of the seven years of tca being open we had 54 businesses come out we were lined with business opportunities representing all pathways so every one of our students got to have the opportunity to meet with a potential employer here. And uh, about 100 of our students uh, got jobs last year. That they, There were summer job opportunities presented to them through that job fair. So I thank Liba for that because that was a, a fantastic thing. So this year, uh, working with Bud and his team, we're going to do two of those job fairs. We're going to have our first one here on October 14th for 710 students to uh, learn about those opportunities that are out there. And I think on the flip side for the business community to see some pretty outstanding students and see that they can, uh, they can fill some of those vacancies with 17 and 18 year olds right here in the community. It's just been, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear so many young people ended up with jobs and the conversations that were able to happen between those young people and these business owners, you know, understanding, Hey, I can start my own plumbing business. I don't have to just go work for somebody else. That's an opportunity down the road. And, and for them to have those kind of interactions is, is phenomenal. Uh, we just sent out an email to our members yesterday and we already had 15 people sign up. Josh, let me know. So we're excited about that, but this is just a great opportunity. If you're a business owner and investing in young people, number one, I think investing in our young people is really important and being role models for them. And, you know, Josh and his team have me coming out and talking to all the focus groups about, you know, entrepreneurship and what they can do to get more involved, which is an advance uh, in the curriculum this year. And so it's a great opportunity for business owners to meet these young people. I mean, last year I sent a text message to Steve Joel with a screenshot because our daughter graduated from Southwest last year and Allison was in the criminal justice career path. So I got all the parent emails and I screenshotted all these businesses that were coming and I sent it to Steve Joel and I said, look at what Josh and I are doing on Friday. I think you should come out. And and there was a really cool interaction between Josh and, and Dr. Joel about this was kind of the vision yeah, when this started. And you've been there since the start, right? I, I came in three years in. Okay. Um, but that's exactly what I said to Dr. Joel. Isn't this what you envisioned? 
seven years ago when you built TCA that you would have 54, maybe 54 plus companies coming in, hiring students, uh, connecting with the, with the school system. Uh, a really great story from that. Um, you know, we had all of these companies who were looking for specific students to fill specific uh, voids in their, in their space. So we had a local precision machining company here um, who ended up hiring one of our business students for a marketing job. Um, again, I don't think they were there to hire a student for a marketing, a marketing position. They were there to hire a precision machinist, but they got to meet some of the outstanding individuals. And this student was there saying, hey, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity and I'm going to meet with every one of these companies, even though I may not know who this company is or this company. I'm going to meet with all of them. I'm going to bring my resume. And she still is working for that company today. How important is it for uh, these students who are basically in an academic tract of some type, whatever that might be, but to also have that interaction with real-world employers on the turf that they're most comfortable with? They're in school. It's their, it's their uh, comfort zones. But how important is that interaction, and what does that uh, translate to? As someone who's worked in education for 18 years, I don't think you can put a value on it. It's so important. Um, it, it brings what they're learning in class, it, it makes it real. Um, it allows them to see the rationale for what they're doing. It provides purpose for what they're doing. Um, and it gives them hope. It gives them hope. And, and we're putting them as a 17 or 18 year old student, we're taking them out of that traditional high school type of job. And we're putting them in a job that could be their career job. Um, that could be their career, take job out of the title. It could be their career. And to do that as a 17 or 18 year old, while they're getting that dual credit experience, learning a skill, learning a trade, uh, through SEC, again, I don't think you can put a value on it. It was just amazing. And the student you might be talking about with the marketing, I remember there was one student and they said, I, I printed out 60 resumes and I'm going to talk to every one of these employers and every one of these employers is going to see my resume. And, and it's great because, you know, Mark, we've talked about uh, in, in so many different topics on here. We've talked about the quiet quitting and we've talked about other matters with workforce. And one of the themes that we've talked about a lot is meet them where they are. And so for those business owners to invest, what, four hours, five hours of their day and have three, four, five hundred, six hundred students walking through, you're not going to talk to all 600 students, but if they talk to the right one or two students, we've met the students where they are. The students are in a bit of a comfort zone. I mean, you're right, Josh. They're, it's a comfort zone where they're a little more relaxed you get to meet the student where they are, and it was it was phenomenal. I love what the Career Academy is doing, and I and I love the fact that we, as a business organization, can bring workers and potential employees together with employers. On the other side of that question, what about the businesses and the representatives of those businesses? What type of feedback are you getting? That do they have a better understanding of the Career Academy? The, the tracks that you're, you're teaching, the, the things that you can do for the community and for these students? We've always wanted to be a inclusive space for the business community to come in, whether it be for field trips, guest speakers, philanthropic opportunities. But last year, we really shifted the shifted the emphasis on to come in and start looking at our students to hire. Uh, one, um, there's an incredible amount of talent 
right here in Lincoln. And we know that talent is an issue in, in our community when it comes to the business community. We need talent. And why not start with those young students? So I think for the business community to come out, they, ha- they got to see, wow, there are 12, 15 students interested in HVAC who are juniors and seniors, who would have thought that we'd have even one student maybe interested in heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, but there's 15 full class. And I think that that was a unique thing for our business community to see the amount of interest that we have. I did talk to one uh, business, uh, I think it was shortly thereafter, the first one. And I remember uh, saying, uh, you know, what do you, it's the tradition is that when you're getting high school kids and kids right out of college, they don't have a lot of experience and they don't have a lot of but to, to get in and, and really do a job. Uh, but it sounds to me like they're finding out that the education that they're receiving is a lot more advanced and they're a lot more ready to go to work and be productive than some of our traditional thoughts about young people. And I think the pandemic shifted that a lot for our students. I think a lot of our students um, saw a desire to, to move on with their adult life at an earlier age, whether that be to come out to TCA to get dual credit, graduating early or for some of those students to start looking for more permanent employment at a younger age. And um, so I, I credit the pandemic a little bit with, with that shift in attitude from students and that maturity that we saw ratcheted up in maturity of those students. How much is the student loan, uh, the issues that have come with student loans in, on, on a traditional four, five, six-year program uh, with, with Career Academy uh, graduates, students, they're able to take uh, what they learn and become productive and start earning at a much uh, shortened period of time. Uh, but that pressure for student loan repayment or whatever it is, is that a, a factor in, in TCA students? Absolutely. Uh, our students pay 50% off the tuition at SEC, and then 50% of our students are going to get a free scholarship uh, because they qualify for free reduced lunch. And we routinely hear from students, I don't want to pay 10, 15, 20, $100,000 in, in student loan debt when I graduate. So I'm going to come out to TCA and start that early to get those credits. And then for some of those students who are thinking, you know what, I, w- I want to be in more of a trade. I want to be in more of a skilled technical experience. Um, it makes complete sense to start that early when you can get that at half off. You can be doing something you're passionate about while you're in high school. Um, and then when you factor in the business community coming alongside, you potentially are going to get that job maybe even before you graduate high school, which is huge. I'll tell you one thing, and I'm I'm going to talk about Allison again. Um, number one, I'm so proud of our daughter for for being involved at TCA. The flip side of that was they just went out. Uh, her and her mom went out to explore it at an open house, and she ended up getting a scholarship into for one of the first classes. They had a drawing or something, and you know she's in criminal justice and she's going into that forensic toxicology. So she got into the criminal justice program. And now she's a freshman in college who started on day one in college with 20, it was 24 or 26 college credits. They took, and she's in Michigan, they took every class, applied it to her criminal justice program. She's going to graduate from college if she wants to in three years. If she goes four years, she could have a double major. That's a huge deal from a parent perspective. When my daughter walks into college essentially as a sophomore, uh, as a 17-year-old freshman in college or first-year student, those kind of things I think are a big deal for kids too because when they can transfer those credits in, you know, from a parent perspective, we can get them through sooner. But she had no idea. It was 
it, it blew her away when she sat down during orientation. And they're like, we'll take this, this. Yeah, we're taking them all. Now You're now 24 hours into college, and you haven't even stepped through the front door and moved in yet. That's a real-world situation that we've got because of things like DCA. Absolutely. Uh, again, 707 students are earning college credit, whether they stay for two years, like Bud referenced with Allison, and get 24 credits, or they stay for one semester and pick up six credits. They are that much ahead, further ahead than their peers. What about accreditations? Uh, are there any accreditations? I mean, I know the college credits can be applied, but what about other certificates or accreditations that, in some of the programs that, that would be in lieu of a college uh, credit? Yeah, significant credit needs to be given to Southeast Community College and their forward thinking with credentialing students uh, so that they're not having to maybe move towards an associate's degree, but they can get a diploma or a certificate. So we have an engineering certificate, a welding certificate. We're working on a construction certificate. We have certifications within our health science pathway. And that is all credit to SEC and their forward thinking saying, hey, the purpose of a two-year school, a community college is a job. And so let's get, let's get, whether they're TCA students or SEC students, the opportunity to start working in the job field, earning money, and hopefully they continue towards their associate's uh, degree, but we're going to get them credentialed really quickly, and that's exactly what SEC is doing. What's the feedback from LIBO members that participate? Oh, my God, they love it. I mean, to put them in a room with 700 potential employees, I mean, like I said, if they're looking for two or three people and they find them there, like, their membership just paid off in spades right there. They loved it. The The one thing that I heard from our members was these young people are prepared. They have skills that we can walk in the door right away. I had one con small cons family-owned construction company said, we can't find anybody that knows how to lay tile. And we, we met three three kids today that have that experience. Like, they're getting those skills. And so, when Mark, when you talk about coming on and hiring as somebody there they've got the training and the skills that maybe helps them get on the floor so to speak quicker in order to help that business owner and i think there's several of those kids that are still employed with our members now and so i'm i'm excited to see i'm i know there's spaces limited on october 14th but i i don't i'm not afraid to say that i think maybe within the next five or seven days we might see that thing be full one other area, and I know you, you briefly touched on it, but what about students that are going through a multi-year program or, or have multiple, and they get involved with a company? Uh, are there internships that, that can be had or part-time work? How is how, how does that mesh? We've allowed uh, the companies themselves to kind of manage how they're going to do that. We want their human resource team to follow what they would do for their hiring process. So we don't have uh, specific internships set up but we do uh, encourage those companies to come in with the anticipation of hiring, but again, using their human resource system and the systems that they have in place because we want to honor that. They're they've been very nimble, too, in how they manage their internship program. And, and I appreciate what, what Josh and the folks at TCA are doing because they let the business kind of, okay, this is what you need. We're going to set up how we can make sure that they get internship credit. So in some cases, when you work with colleges or universities, it's, Okay, if you're going to do an internship, the employer has to meet these 10 guidelines, whereas on the flip side, they're saying, okay, this is what you've got this student doing. How can we make it work? Which is great for the student, great for the business owner, great for the community. This is uh, probably an overused euphemism, but 
this is kind of workforce development on steroids. I mean, it, amen, it, brother. Well, it's workforce development with the addition of college credits. Um, and it's, it, again, I, I think there's power in giving students purpose behind their education. And so those 700 plus students that we have have extreme purpose when they come out to TCA every day. And when they connect with the business community, that purpose goes through the roof. Career fair coming up. Let's go through the details quick. So again, October 14th, it'll be an all-day career fair from 8 to 2. Uh, there is zero cost to it. Um, we provide lunch. We provide refreshments. We set up the table for individuals. They just need to contact me out at the Career Academy. Um, my email can be found on our website. If you just go to the Career, Co- the Career Academy um, through the LPS website, you can reach that. Or I'm sure Bud or some of his team could send it my way. Yeah, we've got all the information out there for our members. If they have questions, they can contact Josh. They can contact the LEBA office. We'll connect them. But I'm just, as a parent, this is a program that we we are just, we love the program. We love what it did for our daughter. As someone who's trying to help provide resources to the business community, the Career Academy is a huge asset. Josh will tell you that I don't ever stop advocating for the Career Academy. And it's it's little things that I think just elevate the Career Academy because my passion for education runs really deep. My roots in education run deep. And I just want to make sure we're doing whatever we can for our kids. And I think pointing out to the collaboration uh, that exists between Southeast Community College, LPS, and other educational institutions in the area is, is something that educational systems around the world need to start looking at. This is a model that uh, is sorely underused and undervalued, I think, uh, in a good portion of the world. I, um, my eyes might get wider about the Career Academy than they do on budgets, Mark. I love this place. It's a great asset for our community. And, and I really appreciate Josh and LPS and SEC for what they're doing because you're right. Workforce development on steroids. 707 kids are gaining skills to be employable today to serve our businesses and our community. Awesome. And in areas that need good employees. Correct. Yes. Josh? Glad to have you with us on Lincoln Business Beat. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LEBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.